Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Geraldo to the podcast. Welcome, Geraldo. Hello, James. Thank you for, for bringing me like uh, for the invitation as well. Excellent. So, Geraldo, for those that may not be familiar with you, you are a principal consultant at Iridicio. You spend a lot of time doing reliability-based activities, whether it's instructing, consulting, all those different things. Although super brief, what can you tell us about yourself? So uh, thank you for the introduction. And actually, uh, I've, I started uh, my engineering career like in uh, 2008. So like it's uh, not so long ago, but like uh, since the beginning, I was uh, kind of uh, studying or involved in some reliability and maintenance um, uh, topics on the, on, on the jobs I, in the roles I had. And, uh, but the major one that I would say like I, that contributed me to, to actually move later nowadays, like to, to the to the consulting industry was like on the oil and gas so like i spent like more than 10 years on the oil and gas and majority of the roles uh related to reliability and maintenance engineering so i've i've been the, uh, in the on this industry for quite some time and i i learned a lot as it is a very asset uh dependent industry absolutely and you know in your time you've like i mentioned spending time with reliability maintainability You've also talked quite a bit, whether it's at presentations or, you know, various articles around machine learning, artificial intelligence, all these names out there that we have. And what I wanted to talk to you is you have a different perspective on it, I would say, and that, you know what, it is very powerful. It is very good, but you got to have the foundations in place. So I wanted to talk about that. And what we really wanted to get down to is how do people know if they're ready for machine learning, artificial intelligence, all those great things. But to start off, yeah. what is artificial intelligence or machine learning? Oh, thank you. That's that's a controversial question to start with, but like, I accept that. So, like, uh, even if you if you Google it and like uh, you look to in YouTube and everything, you're gonna see some funny, interesting uh, videos and definitions, like uh, from specialists and scientists that would really like uh, dedicate their time uh, only to machine learning and artificial intelligence, and even among them. They have like uh, different definitions and different uh, approaches to it. I, from my perspective, like I like to say that, that uh, AI or artificial intelligence it means different things to different people. And uh, for me, uh, it is really like a, a concept. It's a conceptual um, uh, couple words that actually like um, means that a machine would be able to take decisions and adapt to be able, uh, in, in the, considering the environment, what it is, to be able to really like uh, uh, influence or take a better decision that it, uh, with those with those parameters that it, it measures. But like uh, what people really means when they when they say AI, majority of the time they're talking about machine learning, which is basically like a, a set of techniques and algorithms that actually like uh, perform um, uh, analysis of data. 
and uh, try to identify patterns and relationships to be able to have insights. And those insights may lead to decisions. So it's a, it's a slight, uh, slightly different definition from the, let's say, from the conceptual term uh, artificial intelligence. But like, uh, I, I like to think that we, we are using those words in, in uh, more and more. That means basically that we are interested in different industries that are getting into this subject. So that if, if you ask me like uh, if if what is AI and like uh, in uh, how this uh, actually like uh, connects to, to our day to day is basically like uh, it means different things to different people. But in, in essence, that's it. Like uh, we are trying to teach computers how to take better decisions. All right. Excellent. So AI, you know, very conflicting definitions, but the premise behind it generally is to drive improved decision making for how we manage our assets. Um, machine learning is based on patterns. Artificial intelligence would be more for machines learning based on their success rate and adopting their algorithms to make better decisions. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, you're okay. correct. Yeah, you're right. You, you, you got the assets there. <laughs> all right, perfect. So AI is a buzzword right now. Lots of people are talking about, there's all kinds of companies coming out with sensors and platforms and all these great things. And a lot of organizations are starting to ask, this might be here to stay. This is something to learn about. But how do they know if they're ready for it? No, that's, that's a very interesting question because that's really to put the things on practice. So since the beginning of my career, like uh, everything I, I used to, uh, any task or any improvement or any project dedicated to an asset or a process was really uh, related to uh, data-driven decisions. So I, I got into this subject and started to, to study a little bit more because of this connection that I have since the beginning with like a data-driven decisions. And if you think about it, like a, a company can assess a little bit uh, its maturity, I would say, in terms of the preparation for an AI project or to a machine learning project, uh, if it, it has the the foundation, which is basically like a data and in good quality. So data we all have. So like uh, you, you may search for, uh, for, for some articles and you're going to see that actually like uh, we, have we have generated so much information in the past like uh, five years. So actually like uh, if you look at everything that the human race produced in terms of data up to, to thousands, it's, it's even like a 10% of the the, the data that we produce um, now on the, from 2000 up to now. So like uh, we are generating that data a lot and uh, manufacturing plants and like uh, industries as a whole, like they generate like a uh, amount of data. It's enormous and we don't use it. So like if you look into that, like you're going to see that more than 90% of the data that your machines produce, you have available for you, you're not utilizing what, uh, in fact, what is what happens is like uh, we didn't stop to think like uh, what data we need. So, the first approach I would say is that actually like uh, are we using data to take decisions? So like um, uh, and data is not just KPIs. So data would be like uh, anything that your machines, anything that your your facility, even like uh, the 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 work orders you have, and even the the, the data that. The, the technicians and like the people really like the, the population that you have in your company generates. So when you look into that, what I would say is that first, like identify the data that you 
uh, want to utilize. And the second phase would be like a really like to assess like the quality of the data. And uh, when you talk about quality of data, we we can think about like a few steps. And uh, uh, there is a few uh, organizations out there that actually like uh, uh, talks about different uh, standards for for data quality. So as I was saying, like uh, the, there is a one organization called the AMA International, and they set like a seven things that you can check to really like understand if your data is it's it, it's it has quality that you need. So uh, so we need consistency, accuracy, completeness, auditability, orderliness, uniqueness, and timeliness. So basically, each of them they mean like a one one important thing, one important like a, a, a concept for you to to check in your data, and like a, if you see that like a consistency is like a, no matter where you look into the database, you won't find any contra contradictions. Accuracy is like the information your data contains corresponds to the reality. Completeness is basically like if you have the database you propose to to have as complete, it is really complete. So if you need. Uh, the idea of the machine, the temperature of that specific uh, timestamp, the voltage, the, the the current, the tech technician that work, work or operator that are operating it, and so on. So, like, if you have that set of data complete, if it's possible to audit, which is auditability, orderliness is basically like if the data is um, um, in its required format and structure. So if it is like a, a decimal, if it is a, a date, uh, it is in the proper format. They have uniqueness is basically the data record with a specific details appears only once in the database. And timeliness is that data re represents reality within that reasonable period of time. So it's basically like if you have a change later on, you can identify that as, uh, also as part of this, this uh, timeliness this definition. So if I would say like uh, to check if you're prepared, the first thing, as I just said, like would be like a really like a, if you have the data that you need to be able to to use. And second, like the, the quality of this data. All right. Excellent. So they need good quality data to start with AI. Are there any other prerequisites they should have for artificial intelligence? So like when you're talking about like a creating like an artificial intelligence or a machine learning project. What you're gonna need, uh, what in in the perspective I have, like the projects I participated, is like a, we need to understand the physics of of what you want to analyze. So the there's no there's no really much sense in in mainly on the in the industry, heavy industry, or like um, uh, to just analyze the data the data as it is. Because at the end of the day, what happened is uh, we may find uh, relationships in, in um, the, between the data that actually like uh, doesn't mean much. So like I have actually like a, a fun story about that one. So we were in a project like uh, with you know oil company, and they were analyzing like one specific. Uh, they were trying to build actually like they have a, a group of uh, data scientists building a model to predict a failure or defect in a specific component that they have a lot of issues. So they, they took all the data available from that machine and that was like a, around 200 and something parameters. And they just uh, built like a, a, a robust, very robust and like a very uh, 
intelligent, I would say, like a algorithm. But actually, like I, what what the algorithm does, it's gonna look for uh, for the relationship between those data data points in order to find oh what is happening with this machine. So without really like a, a uh, understanding the physics of the, the failure or even the the data that was would really represent something. So what what happened was like a few a few weeks and, and I would say like a month, a couple of months later. They come to the to, to the to the to the meeting room like uh, we had like a, a specialist engineer and like a, a, a couple operators and, and technicians with us like to be able to hey what what you guys found out yeah as part of the the project and the the first thing we put on the screen was the picture of the asset and uh, to perform a kind of a, a reality check the. The specialist engineer, they say like, you guys can point me out like where is the component that you guys are analyzing? Like out of the six or seven like data scientists that we have in the room, like just one knew where it was or even why it was. So actually like this understanding of the physics is crucial because just after that, when we were analyzing the insights that they got out of this model, was like they found out that, for example, the oh, so we identified. So they were explaining like we identified that actually like a, the battery or like the electrical system of this uh, asset may be causing or have a relationship with the failure. And then like uh, the technicians just look at each other, like even the engineer look at and say like, hmm, interesting. Like about uh, show show us like, uh, do you have a like scenario that you can show us what happened? And when you see that actually like uh, as soon as the co- that component fail the battery or the electrical system fails because actually that component was part of the the, the, the power system. So actually like a, a, when it fails, the electrical system is going to fail. So it was kind of a, a, a few a few funny moments that actually like a, you can see that actually like a, the, the, the misconception or the, the lack of knowledge related to the physics of the failure may generate uh, nonsense uh, insights. So, but as an outcome of that project, like later on, we we came from that 250 uh, or 230 like uh, parameters to just eight. Those eight parameters that actually like really contributed that and had a strong relationship with the the with the failure, with the behavior or the failure modes that could generate. Uh, um, uh, high impact on that asset. So uh, what I would say that actually to complement the, the data that I just said, that the data and the quality of the data would be like to have uh, the physics of the failure, the understanding of the asset um, functionalities as part of this of this uh, effort to create an AI project. All right. I got to agree 100% with that. You have to know the physics of failures, how they relate to each other, because if not, you might not be getting good data or good or good analysis back or good predictions back. You need to really understand those physics of failure to understand how they relate to each other. What is this actually telling me? And those sorts of things. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> now, I'm guessing this feeds into my next question, but what are the roles you have to have in place to look at machine learning? Do you need to have subject matter experts? Do you need to have data scientists? Do you need to have others? Do you need all the above? Who do you need? Yeah, that that's a good question as well. Like, and like, uh, I've been in projects that you have all of them, and projects that you have none of them. So basically, like, uh, um, the I would say you don't need to have everything to start. So that's one of the things that I think it's it's huge 
because if you if you um worry that much to create a whole structure to be able to start having your first attempts you it it maybe take you uh take too much time for you to be able to be prepared as you have in your in your mind so what i would say is that actually like a have your engineers the guys that are actually like a um helping you to solve the day-to-day issues uh, helping you to do the root cause analysis that uh, really support the 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 plant or the the, the equipment uh, functionality, which is basically like a looking after uh, the the failures, the defects that happen. So people that really understand and put those guys to look, look into the the data. So and I, I don't mean like you need to send those guys to a data science uh, master's degree or something. No, like a, it's really like a use the basic statistical tools that we have to be able to analyze the the how the data the data was behaving just before the failure happened so like uh, in lots of the of the the insights and uh, and the knowledge that we got to be able to build an ai project comes from failure analysis in the failure investigation phases because oh we can see that the temperature was was um really like a rising up on the past day and that was kind of uh, correlated with this pressure that we saw here also have some uh, abrupt changes and this type of analysis that uh, to be honest need to be analyzed first by an expert for a person that uh, knows the equipment to be able to translate that to the, the algorithm you want to build. So the bo- model that you want to build as an AI or a machine learning project to be able to identify failures or to help you to take better decisions uh, going to come from this uh, knowledge that you're going to build. It's related to the, to, the, to the physics of the failure that we just uh, discussed, but also with the, the data quality and the data that you have available for sure. But what I would say is that the roles that you need to have to be able to start would be uh, the ones you already probably have, which are the, the engineers and like uh, the, the technicians and the, the subject, subject matter experts that you have in your facility. That, those are the guys that actually can start bringing some insights. What happened next is actually like a, if I want to automatize that, if I want to bring to scale up, this uh, knowledge from these people to something that actually can give me insights, alerts, and so on, then you may need to have uh, the, the knowledge, understanding about programming languages and everything to be able to build your models. But like the first approach would be like to have your, your specialists, I would say, uh, look into the data from a statistical standpoint and then later to really moved into like a, to hire a data scientist or even uh, uh, have like a, a third-party company to help you to develop that. All right. Excellent. So we can start with the basic roles that we have in place, our subject matter experts, our engineers, the technicians. And then as we grow the program, we can bring in these additional roles. Mm-hmm. Now, do we need to have any other fundamentals in place like asset hierarchy, criticality, FMEAs, anything like that? The, thank you to bring that up because like uh, uh, one of the difficulties that we, you you may end up with is, okay, you start looking into the data, you start looking into how this project is going to benefit me, even like a really like a uh, getting to see some insights. But at the end of the day, like if you don't have these fundamentals, 
it, it becomes very difficult for you to scale up later because like, uh, okay, maybe going to work for this specific pump that I know very well. But then when I need to turn around and I can look into the different asset that I have, oops, I even don't have like a hierarchy on this. I don't know the components inside. Like I don't have controls of my MRO for this, uh, for this, for this asset. And like, uh, this becomes sometimes like a, a, not an impediment, but something that actually may, may generate confusion or even like, uh, the data that you, that you record for that asset is not very well structurized. Maybe you have a temperature from one sensor that actually like it's from a different system that you are interested in to find out about the failure that is happening. So it is, it, it. Actually, like the fundamentals of reliability engineering and maintenance engineering in terms of uh, 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 hierarchy, uh, criticality analysis, uh, a good FMEA or, or a RCM can give you like a, a, an understanding of um, or can give you like an easier way to look into this uh, project to be able to make it automatic later on. So what I would say is that actually like to have a good hierarchy helps you a lot to be able to connect which component I'm talking about for which system it is related to, which asset is related with which uh, production line, for example. It makes things much easier. And when you have to look into a, a, a notion of data, if you have those informations already uh, in, in your system, it makes like a, a lot of difference because it's easier for you to map and like a, a, and, uh, and identify where I need to look into. All right. Excellent. So we have to have those fundamentals in place because they point us in the right direction and make sure we understand what we're doing, what we're looking for. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com now, AI's been around, or machine learning's been around for a bit. Do you have any examples of where it's actually been deployed and successful? Oh yeah, like uh, that—that's a great, that's a great question. Like, uh, uh, I was, I was just like uh, uh, studying a little bit again, like about the history and everything. And uh, it's, 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 it's funny enough, enough, like you know, like uh, the this concepts of artificial intelligence and so on are. are are there like since the 40s and the 50s actually like uh, alan turing which is one of the world war ii heroes like uh he was the he's considered the father of the computer science and he made the first uh question in terms like uh in 1950 if i'm not wrong uh he wanted to propose a question like can a machine think so if you think about that like uh the, that guy was proposing this question to the, the, the scientific community back in the 50s. We are 70 years later, and uh, we're still trying to understand like what is the best process, process to follow and so on. But we have a, uh, various successful cases, um, since the most basic ones, like trying to really like a fault finding or like a failure identification uh, in the oil industry. We have a couple uh, uh, projects that I, I participated that actually like uh, produce like a, a seventy-five to eighty percent accuracy on the identification of a failure with uh, at least like one or two weeks uh, advance uh, uh, 
pre previously, like in terms of like uh, uh, predicting the failure like that may occur in uh, in two weeks time. So actually, like uh, for the for the oil industry, which is like a very heavily in terms of uh, availability, like uh, it is, it, it was projects that I can tell you like uh, it works very well. And we have like different applications as well, like for for um, prediction in terms of. Uh, uh, usage of parts or like a, how many parts do, do I, should I should I buy depending off the 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 parameters and sensors that I have in my facility as well like when should I stop for, to perform like a roofing or so on so there is a lot of people using uh, computer image so like uh, uh, drones and so on so those images actually uh, help to identify defects on roofing uh also like from the same application in terms of computer image as uh parameter to uh perform an ai model or a machine learning model to identify for example in the railroad industry if the trains uh for the mining it, it's mining but applied to railroads so like uh, if the 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 train have actually like a water inside of the of the Oh, I forgot the name of the word for the thing that they they they, they push the train pushes. Can you have cars? Carts, yeah. So like it, they they analyze if there is water inside to be able to keep it moving, or if they need to to be clean before they move to the mine. So there's different applications. This one I know that actually like they they uh, improve the availability of the carts and the and the trains in ninety percent. So actually like a it, they basically doubled the availability of the of the carts and the trains here in Brazil and uh, some mines that they have and uh, and it's very very uh, difficult to access. So that's another thing. Like uh, you need to formulate your your problem very well. So like uh, you didn't touch on on that in specific the question, but like uh, one of the fundamentals that we need to understand is like. Uh, what is my problem? Like uh, how to formulate my problem? So like I need to be accurate on that to be able to define which uh, data I need. And then we go backwards and then we talk about like a data, data quality, physics of failures and so on. So part of this, uh, part of this, uh, the, the successful projects was because they have a really, a really like a clear definition what they wanted so like uh when you have like a very uh very well formulated uh problem it it becomes easier for you to go through the steps yeah absolutely you got to have that formal you have to have a really defined problem just like rca um, a lot of those other tools you really got to know what you're targeting to build the proper data collection plan select the right algorithms do all those types of things now speaking of that do organizations have to develop their own machine learning algorithms or can they purchase some right out of the box and use those that's a, that's a very good question like i was about to mention that just before but like uh if you think about it like uh, it's it's um it's a challenge for every company to be able to have that uh, uh that personnel or or one of your smes dedicated to a, a specific project you want that person to actually use its knowledge to kind of support different projects at the same time sometimes. So I would say that sacrificing one of your uh, SMEs or your, your, your specialists to learn something from scratch and create something from scratch, uh, I would say it's nowadays it's, it, 
it's it's not required. So we have different different tools that are like uh, platforms, right? That you can use right out of the box. So like uh, Azure from Microsoft, and also Watson from IBM. Uh, if I'm not wrong, like we have like a couple other um, uh, companies that actually like uh, provide the service of okay, I have a team of data scientists that can help you on that, or even uh, subject matter experts. Uh, plus the data scientists to be able to help you in your project development. What I would say, what I what I see the the industry moving on is really like a having those um, specialized service companies that actually like going to support you in your project. So uh, what I would say, uh, it, it's just to reinforce what I said before, like. A, you don't need to be perfect to start. Actually, you're gonna get perfect, or you're gonna gonna get better as you start. So, like, uh, uh, I would say, like, uh, first off, like, uh, get your team together, uh, define what is what is really your problem. After that, like, uh, assess your data. Next, like, uh, understand the physics of the failure. Like, uh, have your 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 uh, SMEs and your specialists uh, there with you to analyze that problem. And the next phase would be okay. Let's let's look into the data. Let's look what types of insights we as as SMEs can can take out of that right right now. So like use the basic statistical tools to be able to see uh, how that that the data is behaving before a failure, even like in a, in a situation that you know like it's is not uh, normal that the asset is it's performing, for example. And have that first approach, that first look into the data before you really jump into something to build an algorithm or, or so. So, and and as soon as you do that, you're gonna be able to to know like, okay, I have understanding. I know what what this thing is. It's uh, it's suffering, but like I I need to understand like how though all this data connects to be able to tell me if I I can predict this failure even beforehand like or like a how how uh how close can i be there is one example from from google, google cloud so it's another platform that you can look for it like it's machine learning with a uh, google cloud platform uh they didn't an, an, they did an, uh, an experiment no, it was not an experiment it was really a project with uh, a beer manufacturer so like a uh, here if i'm not wrong it was in us but it's a brazilian company so they they used to use the their SMEs, beer SMEs, I would say, uh, to analyze the quality of the beer at the end of the process. And depending on the quality, they had a few actions to take. So we need to take change this filter. We need to make a cleaning on this tank, or so on and so forth. So they used to this subjective, I would say, analysis to be able to define the maintenance tasks. So, and they find out after analyzing the data that they have like a 60 to 65% accuracy on the, on the actions because like uh, or the, the SME may say like, oh, you need to change this filter. But when the technician comes out, hey, the filter looks good. And like uh, they found that this precision was around 60 to 65%. So they decided, okay, this is our problem. We are spending like a, a couple million dollars like on this maintenance strategy. So let's try to get more precise. Let's try to get like to a number that actually we are not going to be throwing filters on the trash when they don't need, or time of our technicians, which is also like costly uh, when they don't need. 
So they managed to create like a, a, a very good like a prediction tool based on the quality of the beer in several parameters. If I'm not wrong, it was 17 parameters. If you Google it, you're going to find it. It's AB in Bath project with Google, Google uh, Cloud Machine Learning. And uh, they got to 95 or 93% accuracy. So that was like a million dollar uh, reduction in terms of um, man hours costs, parts costs, and so on. So like a, a, it's a maintenance strategy change uh, in terms of uh, it was a condition base, if you think about that, like a, the SME was analyzing the condition or the quality of the beer later on was really uh, not time-based. So, but when they moved to analyzing parameters that the human being, even an SME, was not looking into, they managed to get this, give this uh, extra step in terms of uh, getting really like a more efficient. So, if you think about that, um, this type of example gives us uh, uh, an indication. Okay, I had an SME in a very, my expertise in terms of quality of beer and everything was great. But like I needed like this data uh, scientist or this data science concepts and tools and algorithms and a person that actually knows that better to be able to come in and help me. So like uh, this application was really like they hired the this solution from, from Google and they, they had this uh, good uh, result as well. So what I would say is it's just like a... Uh, the, the industry is moving in a way that actually we're going to go for this type of application where we're going to use more service companies. They have that as their core business and their expertise. So uh, that would be like my, my, my view for the future. All right. Excellent. I have to agree. There's a lot of options out there, a lot of expertise. Let's leverage those. Now, as we're getting ready to wrap this up, what is the one thing you think makes the biggest difference in being successful with machine learning or AI? Another trick question, James. Thank you for that. <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> what I would say is that um, it, it is tough to define one single thing or a couple of things that really can make the difference. But like, uh, and we can name engagement, we can name like uh, all the culture part of it. And like, uh, uh, but as, as we know, um the 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 expertise i would say like the knowledge the really the knowledge about the physics of the failures and know and know the failure modes that actually happen the most or that they're really like the 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 bad actors in your plant in your in in your industry in your organization can make a lot of difference so what i would say is that actually like a, before you start assess not just assess what we discussed up to this point, but assess like a, how good your root cause analysis has been have been done. So like, are we really getting to the the root cause? Like, do you know exactly what happened in every single failure that you have on the asset you want to improve availability? So because the it can be very frustrating for not just for you as a manager or, or, or as a leader of the team, but also for the, for the, for the people that is helping you and the technicians that are there like executing the job. Because if, if you, if you put a lot of effort in, in a, in a prediction tool or like a, in a project that actually supposed to, to automate and give you alerts and insights about the, the failure that the, an asset is about to happen, 
because like if 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 you do so, you spend the time and like uh, the thing the, the results don't come. For sure, you're gonna learn, but also like uh, you may be wasting a lot of time because you didn't prepare for that. So the preparation part of the preparation, what we just discussed up to this point. But additionally, I would say assess the quality of your failure investigations and your root cause analysis you do. Because if you are not able to identify the, the failure modes that are happening in your, in your asset, you're not going to be able to identify what are the parameters and the sensors you need to have in place. Because like you may install 10, 20 different sensors in different points of the asset, but the, re, the one that you need the most because it's extremely uh, or are directly related to the failure mode that is impacting you the most is not there. So uh, I would say additionally what everything that we just discussed would be like a assess again, like and have a look again, like on your root cause analysis practice in your failure investigation and even in your failure reports, like uh, are we really reporting the failures that we suffer? Uh, are the technicians really like uh, reporting all the defects that they identify on the asset when they have the opportunity to, to identify it? Because if they're not doing that, you're missing a lot of data. You're missing the data that actually can be crucial for you to have a much better model down the line. All right, excellent. Some great insights there. Now, if you had a magic wand, what would you change about a typical machine learning project? What is that one thing we don't get right? Oh my God. Like, uh, I would, I think we, we could make it more fun. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it is, it, it is kind of, uh, I would say like the, the methodology, it's good. It's like a, as a PDCA or like a, a DMIC, it, it works. But like, uh, as, as you get to, to data collection and, and data quality assessments and so on, it becomes very um, overwhelming because you have too much data and you need to analyze all that. And sometimes you do really don't know like um, uh, what you're looking for in terms of uh, how to get the thing better. What I would say like uh, it's uh, what we discussed so far, uh, what I've seen failing the most, let's start from, from this perspective. What I've seen failing the most in the projects I participated on was uh, a, a, a problem that was not properly formula, formulated. That was one of the things. So like, if you don't know exactly what you want to improve, you don't know exactly like, a, because this is one of well, the first thing you need to do. If I, if if you want to, to be successful in a, in a machine learning project, have a well-defined metric that can tell you you're succeeding. So that's one thing. Next thing that I, I saw like failing the most was really like the data quality. So like uh, as soon as you start getting the data and then you get frustrated because the data is reporting incorrectly and then you need basically like to ignore that data and start over with a different parameter. That's second thing. So like make sure your data quality is it's, it's, it's good. Uh, and the third one would be like um, this, the, this understanding of the physics of the failure plus the, the knowledge that the people have. Because like one thing is to tell me like, a, okay, this battery seized because of, uh, I don't know, bad installation. Good. That's a failure mode. Great. But like, a, did you get to the bottom of this? Is it really bad installation? Are we using the best or the, or the most suitable uh, bearing for this application? Like, uh, I'm not saying like we need to put, uh, blame others. They're not involved or out of our control, but like uh, we need to understand, like, are we really looking to something that we can solve or are we just trying to solve an, a problem 
that is, is annoying us and uh, we just don't know how to deal with that. So what I would say is that those are the three things I would change if you're trying to do like a, a machine learning project right now, it would be the three things that would change. And uh, but if I would have like a magic wand, I'm gonna go back for the first my first statement. I would make it more fun. I would make it in a way that actually like we can really like see smaller results and have the team actually participating, going to the field, like bring the data scientists to the asset to see how it, it works. Really like a, if you have like a broken pieces, like for you to be able to analyze and do it as well. Because we do a lot of stuff with this pandemic as well, like in terms like things even more difficult, but like a, we're trying to do everything from from uh, for the computer, in front of our, the computer, like, and, and that's not the point. So I would say like uh, the 70% of the knowledge that you need to have is down there in front of the asset. 30% is algorithms, data processing, and all that, that are gonna comes after. But we need to be in front of the asset with the broken pieces that happen to be able to discuss and see like and and feel how the how that thing actually impact the day to day of a technician or of the operator. So that I would say can make a lot of difference. All right, excellent. Some great words of wisdom there, Geraldo. Now, what is the one action you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? What's the one thing you want them to go do, learn, and so on and so forth? Okay, uh, I would say like a. Knowledge is not uh, is, is never is never enough. So like, uh, what I would do is really like uh, start looking into into like uh, the basic things. So like uh, entering some uh, TED talk or podcasts and uh, uh, watch some watch some like uh, uh, YouTube videos, but like a good one. So like uh, from IBM, from Microsoft, from Google, like uh, that actually like I uh, have uh, the whole. The whole like uh, fundamentals and as well the the application of the of the, the the steps to perform a good project right there and um what i would say like you're gonna see and you're gonna be inspired by them i'm not saying like you're gonna learn a lot from them but like uh, you're gonna get the fundamentals and you're gonna be able to see some good projects that are that were executed that that's one thing that can can help you to oh that's how the guys did so like this is the people that the guys involved and so on so actually can give you a little bit of the how this works but after that i would say like um don't need to be you, but like if you're an engineer, like if you're a, a technician and people that really uh, have access to data, that you have access, to, for example, to temperature, uh, pressure, all those sensors that you have in your facility, start looking into some statistics uh, books and in 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 classes and so on, because as uh, it can sound complicated the first the first approach, but like uh, you're gonna be able to see that you can do that in Excel or even like in, in Google Sheets and something that actually like uh, you don't need to have a lot of uh, softwares to be able to process the data. You can do some pre-analysis by yourself and then, hmm, wow, that this this data here sound looks very spiky. So like uh, when I look into this, like uh, how does it look like in terms of uh, in, uh, in, uh, in in average or in the frequency helm? So like how this thing looks at? So I would say like uh, get a little bit of understanding of uh, statistics. And then like uh, if you're really like uh, into this, I would say like uh, moving to the machine learning algorithms, you're going to see that actually Python, R, and some other like uh, uh, free uh, programming languages, you can start practicing and uh, get a little bit of understanding. I, I don't want you to become, or what I mean is like, a, uh, I don't think an organization need to have 
uh, an army of data scientists ready to go to be able to process all the data that you have available. No, I think like uh, as most, uh, uh, if majority of our our, our uh, population have a basic knowledge related to statistics and data science, they're going to be able to have their own sites and actually look into that and say, hmm, maybe we, we could stop and really like a, uh, look into this problem right here. Maybe there is something that we can we can do like uh, uh, with a, with uh, support from a, from a third party company or or if hiring a data scientist. But like a, but your your own population going to be able to identify more things. So I, I like the, the to compare this movement of going to data analytics and data science projects with the same approach that was done like back in the 80s and the 90s with the lean and six sigma approach so like uh, nowadays like almost every everyone in the facility know what the 5s is almost everyone knows what is like a, a statistical control charts uh, are so like i think as as this knowledge start to spread out and like everybody has a little bit of the basic knowledge about data science and statistics things move up so as we saw the improvements on the manufacturing industry on the past like i would say like uh, 30 years uh thanks to industrial engineering like a uh, lean initiatives and six sigma initiatives i think next the next 10 20 years gonna be like uh, a boost of based on these uh, data science projects in, uh, in uh, statistical analysis. That's, that's my point of view. Excellent. Well, Geraldo, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about machine learning, AI, and providing those great insights. But where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you, learn more, ask you questions, that sort of thing? No, thank you. Like, uh, uh, you can you can find me in LinkedIn. So like uh, Geraldo Signorini are uh, going to be there. Like I'm... I'm I, I try to be pretty active there. I don't post every day, but like uh, I post from time to time. I, I like to participate in conferences and, uh, and mainly in the oil and gas conferences and, and, and reliability and maintainability uh, conference as well as SMRP and, and, uh, and so on. But like uh, you can find me like uh, either in LinkedIn or in, uh, in uh, through my I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, James. No, that works perfect. So I will make sure to put links in the show notes to your LinkedIn account. Uh -huh. um, that way people can easily find you and connect with you if they want to ask some more questions. No, sure. Well, thank you, James. Thank you so much. Like I, I, I'm really passionate about this subject. I think it's um, some, something that I actually, uh, it's out there for a long time, but now that we have uh basically like the 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 tools to be able to apply it which is that basically like you can apply that with with your own cell phone you can apply that with your own computer you don't need to have like a uh you need to hire a, a specific company to to be able to to do like a basic statistical or machine learning uh application so i think it's something that came to really change the way we we take decisions in the industry so thank you to bring me to, to your podcast. I'm really pleased and uh, I really like, I'm looking forward to, to have other chats with you later. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thank you, Geraldo. And you have a great day. You too. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. 
The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.